welcome to the Thread and Ladle podcast, where we share conversations about living a handmade life and inspire each other to practice daily acts of creativity. I'm your host, Beatrice Perrin Dolan. You're listening to episode 11, The True Cost of a Knitting Pattern. Hello, listeners. I hope that wherever you find yourself today, you're finding a moment of joy and warmth. Uh, Thank you for joining me today. I have a few announcements before we dive into today's topics. Um, First, I wanted to say that you may have noticed a slowing down of uh, podcast episodes. And while I enjoy doing the podcast, it takes a tremendous amount of time. I'm not the kind of person who sort of can speak off the cuff, and it takes a long time to plan and to record and to publish. Um, And I've just noticed that this is time that's begun to take away from the time I have to design, and that's the part of my business that actually derives an income. I don't derive an income from this podcast. Um, So I'll probably be publishing less frequently so that I have more time to dedicate to designing. Um, And I wanted to just note that if you want to support me in the podcast, you can do so by purchasing knitting patterns from me. I don't have a Patreon or anything like that for this podcast, but that's one way that you can support the continued production of the podcast. Um, And you can find me on Ravelry under Thread and Ladle. I also wanted to note that I have been continuing to think and talk about diversity and inclusion within the knitting community. And that's something that I will continue to talk about on the podcast. For those of you who are willing to engage in the conversation and listen with an open heart, I direct you to unfinishedobject.com, which is a new blog post that has taken up these topics in a powerful way. There's already been some wonderful articles and blog posts uh, up that are must-reads. I ask you to please read them and interact respectfully. And if there's anyone out there who has questions or is seeking out resources on these topics, please feel free to reach out to me and, um, and I am happy to engage and discuss. Uh, today, I wanted to go into a topic uh, that is close to my heart, which is all the things that go into creating a knitting pattern. Um, On May 4th, 2018, I published a pretty lengthy blog post on this topic, and it's become a very widely shared and read post, and I have even had requests to translate it into different languages. I thought it was worth revisiting because it's a really big topic, and and especially in this podcast space because we, while I've covered it on the blog, I haven't covered it here. Um, So some of you, for some of you, this might be new. Um, When I formulated the blog post, I asked four other designers about the time it takes for them to complete each of the tasks involved with creating a PDF knitting pattern. Um, The following answers are based on the average from their answers and myself and and the four designers, unless I otherwise noted. And for the purpose of this conversation, this is solely based on digital and independently produced knitting patterns. Print patterns and books are a whole different ballgame. They cost a lot more to produce than a digital pattern. And the profit margins are widely different, read smaller. Um, likewise, the profit of a designer, the profit a designer makes from knitting magazines, books, and collections 
uh, by big companies look also much different than an independent knitting pattern. Um, this looks different from company to company, and while some companies pay fairly, some also underpay. Uh, it can be quite confusing to someone purchasing a pattern on Ravelry who they're purchasing it from, and this is important to note. Uh, for instance, just because you are buying my design on Ravelry does not always mean you are buying it from me, and thus I might, might have no ownership or profit over it. Um, but I think all of those kinds of nuances are all <laughs> worth a podcast episode in and of themselves. So maybe that's something that we can um, talk about in a future episode, which I think it would be especially um, interesting to those who are maybe trying to find their way in the knitting pattern game. Um, so but back to the topic at hand. Um, first, I just wanted to line out the steps that there are in creating a PDF knitting pattern. These two are kind of interchangeable and depends on which, which designer you ask and how they work, but um, some will knit the sample first, uh, some will write, write and grade the pattern first, but those are the first two steps. You can swap the order depending on who you are. Um, you would have to edit the pattern, test the pattern, photograph the sample, get the pattern and laid out, uh, get a final proof, and get patterns, and then offer pattern support. Um, and then sometimes people will also, I did say get the pattern tested. That's not something that everybody does, but um, it would be in there for those who do. So for this next part, I'm going to be talking about garments because garment and accessory patterns take significantly different amounts of time. So for a garment, knitting the sample could take anywhere from 42 to 86 hours and maybe beyond, depending on what it is. And again, these numbers are based on myself and the four other designers that I had asked. The least amount of time a designer reported to me for this part of the process was about 20 hours, and the greatest amount of time was 120 hours. Um, last summer, I was working on a collection or two summers ago now, I knitted um, both the sweaters in the collection twice. So it's likely that a designer will do a fair amount of ripping back and re-knitting and the complexity of the garment will greatly affect the number of hours it takes to complete. If something is all over, and all over cabled and textured, it's going to take more time than something that is completely stocking knit. It's true that some designers hire this part of the process out, but that means that instead of the time, they're spending lots of money to have something knits, knit for them, which cuts into the profit significantly. And there are other issues at play, such as fair pay for sample knitters, which is a hot topic, as it's not something that typically pays much at all for the time you put into a sample. Um, for the most part, most designers I know knit most of their samples themselves, but, um, but that's a gross generalization. Writing and grading the pattern can take anywhere from 4.2 to 11.6 hours. Those were my averages. Um, the least amount of time a designer told me they, they spent on this part of the process was one hour, and the greatest was 20 hours. Again, something that's really complex and has a lot of cables is going to take a lot more time to figure out how you write it for seven sizes than something that is completely stocking net. Um, and it's a lot of computer time. I personally find it needs to be done 
when I am at my mental, my sharpest mentally. Um, for example, I've gotten myself into trouble by doing this work, uh, this part of the process after my kids go to bed. And I have learned my lesson because I've made a lot of mistakes that way and had to go back to the drawing board and um, redo all my math because I, I did it when I had sleepy brain. The next part of the pattern or the pattern making process is editing the pattern and it's usually hired out by a tech editor. Uh, but even so, in my experience, it still takes a lot of time on my part as well because I'm bouncing questions and comments back and forth with the tech editor and it usually takes a couple rounds until we get everything smoothed out or until we kind of figure out um, the best way to approach a certain wording or problem within the pattern or there's a math error and we have to figure it out. Um, so there's a lot of bouncing back and forth sometimes and it can take anywhere between 1.25 to 7.25 hours to edit a pattern. The least amount of time a designer reported for this part of the process was one hour and the greatest part was 10 hours. Plus there's the, uh, the additional cost of paying the tech editor, which is worth noting. Testing the pattern can take anywhere between 1.8 and 3.2 hours. The least amount of time a designer reported for this part of the process was no time since not all designers have their patterns tested and the greatest was six hours. When a designer does test a pattern, it takes regular check-ins with the testers to make sure that there's no issues or questions that have arisen and to answer them when they have. The next part of, of the process is photographing the sample and that can take anywhere from one and three quarter hours to 3.3 hours. The least amount of time that a designer reported for that part of the process was half an hour and the greatest was six hours. I think this is so different from designer to designer. Um, does the designer use an auto timer and a white wall in their house? Do they hire a model and have a photo shoot with a model? Do they hire a photographer? Do they do it themselves? How do they edit the photos afterwards? Um, this is a really tricky part of the process I've found that um, to figure out um, because really beautiful photos are key to selling patterns and um, it's really time consuming, expensive and tricky to make sure that you ha always have beautiful photos for your patterns. Um, layout can be simple or complicated, taking anywhere between 1.4 to 2.6 hours. The least amount of time a designer reported for this part of the process was one hour and the greatest was three hours. And again, I think this is it varies between designers and I know some designers use, they just use Word um, and some designers will use InDesign or another uh, layout program. And that's, it's, it, it takes time. And also if you use something like InDesign, you also have to pay for um, the program, which is rather expensive. The final proof and uploading can take anywhere between one plus hours. Um, the least amount of time a designer reported for this part of the process was 15 minutes and the greatest was three hours. Um, all those details don't land in the Ravelry database themselves. It takes time to enter them into the Ravelry database and upload your pattern. Um, and before that, to, to proof the final PDF to make sure everything is in place where it should be. Pattern support is a total wild card. And it's something that I personally have strong feelings about. Um, in this day and age, most people expect you to not only create the, 
PDF pattern, which is the product that you're selling, um, but also to help them with their project as needed. And I found that sometimes this is at all times and places, like when I'm on vacation with my family at the beach. Um, I fully want customers to approach me when they find errors or feel that something is unclear because that helps me learn as a designer and improve my patterns. And I certainly don't want to be selling something that has a blatant error. That said, the majority of the questions that I personally get are not those kinds of questions, but are people who either don't know or understand how to do a particular technique or have made a mistake themselves and can't find their error and so assume that the problem is with the pattern. And this happens more often than I can say. And I have spent a lot of time looking through patterns for an error only to eventually figure out that the knitter actually had made an error and assumed that it was a problem with the pattern rather than their own error. Um, and while I was putting together the blog post, the original blog post that this podcast episode is based on, one of the designers I questioned had just had this in that moment. She said she'd just spent an hour combing through a pattern looking for an error when in fact the knitter had made a mistake and the pattern was absolutely correct. Um, there could be an entirely second blog post or podcast post uh, episode on this topic of what is reasonable to expect of someone in terms of pattern support. Um, it's something that, that I think that needs to be talked about um, because really when I, when someone is selling you a PDF, I, I think that unless they have, have a formal statement on their website or in their Ravelry page saying, I do offer pattern support for these things, um, then it can't be assumed that that they are <clears throat> their time is yours beyond the PDF. Um, and I think most designers want you to have a good experience with their patterns, so most designers will help in some way. Um, but I think that in general, that is that's a, out of the kindness of their heart and because they're trying to be good customer service and not because um, it should be expected. And I, I think it is very much expected, um, but perhaps we can get into that on another uh, podcast episode. I think it's, again, one of those areas that's really worth digging into a little bit. Um, so I'll leave that at, at the fact that it could take anywhere from zero hours, which is unlikely, and endless amounts of hours to do um, pattern support. And it's very hard to calculate how much time is spent on this from pattern to pattern. So the final tally is that it can take anywhere from 53.1 to 113.65 hours and beyond to produce a quality sweating sweater knitting pattern PDF. Phew. That is a tremendous amount of time. Um, particularly when you look at how much a knitting pattern is, is purchased for, which is typically between six and $10. It's a lot of time. So I just wanted to break that down a little bit. Um, let's do the math and see what kind of wages a knitter or a knitwear designer is getting for that pattern. So let's say that as a knitwear designer, I would love to get paid the lovely livable wage of $25 an hour, which I think is quite immodest compared to what I'd love to get paid, but it sounds reasonable. I have bills to pay a house to fix, I would love to go on vacation someday. Um, 
I think more than that would be reasonable. But for the for today's conversation, we'll just look at $25 an hour. That means we would ideally be paid anywhere from $1,327.50 and $2,841.25 to produce a knitting pattern based on how many hours it takes and the, the hourly wage of $25. So let's say the average garment pattern is $7.50. And the knitwear designer, me, needs to sell between 177 and 379 patterns to make it worth their time. But that also doesn't include expenses. So while I can do many, many things for my business and pattern creation from the comfort of my home, there are many expenses and those come after I've made my however many pattern sales. They include yarn, if I haven't received yarn support, which I often do, um, but I also buy yarn as well. Knitting needles, tools and accessories like buttons, charges for my website hosting, charges for my e-letter service, membership to Adobe, which I use for layout and photo editing, fees paid to Ravelry and PayPal every time I make a sale. And trust me, these add up to a lot. My camera to take all those pretty pictures with or, or potentially paying a photographer, uh, modeling fees if I'm using a model, tech editing fees, fees to pay folks who might be creating my graphics like schematics and charts, the computer that I'm using for my pattern creation and podcast recording and et cetera, et cetera, paying a sample knitter if I've used one. Since I, when I did the blog post, I had just done my taxes, I happened to know that that year, whatever I bring in for cash flow or whatever I brought in for cash flow, I spent about 50% of for business expenses. This is certainly going to look different for everyone. And probably if I sold more patterns, my percentage of profit and loss would change. Uh, but for this, for the original blog post and now this podcast episode, we'll go with 50%. Um, and that's certainly a very loose, loose number. So that means that actually to make a livable wage uh, making knitting patterns, I, I need to sell double the amount of patterns as the number stated above, which was the profit margin. So I would need to sell between 354 to 758 of each pattern I create. There's almost no patterns in my Ravelry shop that I have sold that many patterns of. It's a tremendous amount of patterns and I think there's very few designers out there who sell that many of each of their patterns. In the world of digital and social media, looks can be deceiving, and someone who appears to be doing amazingly on social media may not be actually making the kinds of sales that make knitwear design a profitable business. There's a few designers out there who are killing it, and I commend them, and hopefully they're making a livable wage. Uh, but perhaps not, because as I said, social media doesn't really tell us anything. And there are literally thousands of people posting new patterns on Ravelry all the time. But by far and large, many designers do not sell that many of every single pattern they produce. Knitting pattern design is a hard business to be in. I think about this a lot as I, it's where I've chosen to spend my time. But I am very clear on the fact that it is not a sustainable way to make a living for me 
though I know it is for a few. For starters, there's a low price point of that for something that takes a tremendous amount of time to create. The only way to pay yourself a, li a livable wage for creating PDF knitting patterns is to sell a lot of every individual pattern or <laughs> a lot of one pattern, which happens from time to time when a pattern goes viral. But the catch-22 is that in order to use your product, the customer has to first have all the prerequisite skills to be able to knit it. Then they have to be willing to spend tens and tons of hours producing it themselves. They have to be willing to either wear it themselves or gift it to someone they know, which is to say it also has to be in line with their personal style. It's a much harder sell than, say, a candle or a handbag. And all this is not to whine or complain, but rather just to make us think twice about patterns and how we support independent designers. I've had a lot of people say to me before, or not a lot, but I've had it said to me before something like, I'd only pay $2 for that pattern. Or I've had people ask me to give discounts to them or to their customers just because they're giving my pattern a shout out on social media. And often customers wait until I have a sale to buy the pattern they've been lusting over. But the problem with that is that if we are only ever willing to pay designers less than fair price for their work, then it won't be sustainable for work for anyone. And all those amazing knitting patterns that inspired your knitting project in the first place won't be there. It's because I know how much work and effort goes into a knitting pattern, I happily support other designers. When I get the rare moment for a personal knitting, I gladly hand my money over to someone whose work I want to support, who has put such a beautiful idea into the world. It's what gives them the ability to do that creative work and to continue to inspire all of us. And I'm always grateful when someone supports my work. So the next time you buy a knitting pattern, just remember that your money isn't disappearing into cyberspace. It's allowing creativity to flourish. And equally important, it's probably putting food on someone's dinner table, maybe paying for their kids' glasses, or maybe putting a new roof on their house. I think there's so much more in this podcast episode that I'd like to dig deeper into. Um, and I think there's some really, a lot of points that need uh, more discussion. But for today, I'm going to end it there. Um, and I would value any feedback and questions uh, and further discussion on this topic. So please do reach out. Thank you so much for joining me on the Thread and Ladle podcast today. I would be delighted if you could take the time to leave a review on iTunes or better yet, go and purchase a pattern from my Ravelry store. It helps this podcast reach more interested listeners and it helps me continue to produce it. Thank you for joining me today on the Thread and Ladle podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes are posted or when I publish new knitting patterns, you can sign up for my email list at threadandladle.com newsletter. You can also find me on Ravelry and on Instagram under the handle at threadandladle. Until next time, may you find joy and creativity in your days.